Welcome to the Nach Daily, a congregation Ahavas Torah initiative. Today we are discussing the 15th Perak, Perak Tesvav of Sefer Shmuel, which is one of the most emotionally rich and complex prakim in all of Tanakh. Even before this Perak, Shmuel told Shaul that his kingship would fail and someone else would rule in his place. But still, it's clear that Shaul remains king. Perhaps there was still a window for repentance and an opportunity for repair. After all, our parak opens with Shmuel commanding Shaul to destroy Amalek, and uh, that's a command that devolves specifically on a king. However, Shaul's failure in this parak will really sound the death knell of his rule. We know that the Torah in several places commands the complete annihilation of the Amalek people, the Amalekites, due to their ruthless attack on Bnei Israel after the Bnei Israel left Egypt, and because of Amalek's enduring depravity. They're an immoral people. This is one of those mitzvot that the rabbis tell us Bnei Israel will be tasked with once they enter the land and appoint a king. And so Shaul is now given this mitzvah, this task, this mission to accomplish. There is a great deal written about the morality of this command to destroy Amalek, man, woman, and child. And though it's interesting, we are not going to discuss uh, the complexities of this particular mitzvah in this particular forum. So let's just focus on the narrative. There's so much to, to unpack here, and we'll kind of have to set aside the, the broader questions relating to Amalek and the mitzvah to destroy Amalek. Shaul follows Shmuel's command to destroy Amalek. He gathers a massive army of 210,000 foot soldiers, which is tremendous and reflects really beautifully on Shaul, actually, and, and the success of kingship in general, because we would never have imagined that a shofate, a regional kind of leader, could have been successful in raising this kind of army. And so this definitely bodes well for Shaul and for the kingship in general. Shaul goes to the uh, city of, uh, of the Amalekites, and he pretty much does as he's supposed to do. He kills man, woman, and child. Seems like things are going uh, on track. But he doesn't kill the king, king named Agag. And that in and of itself may not be such a problem, because sometimes what you do is you destroy a people and then you take their king with you to then humiliate the king, to, to kill the king in a public forum, to try to make a statement. So that in and of itself, having not killed Agag right away, shouldn't be uh, such a big problem. But we learn that Shoal allowed the men of, of his fighting force to take spoils from the city, including the finest animals. And this was strictly forbidden. Shmuel then receives a prophecy, we are told, from Hashem, uh, that Hashem regrets having anointed Shoal, whatever that means for Hashem to regret, but you know, taking it on, on, on face level, Hashem is disappointed in Shaul's behavior. And uh, Hashem tells Shmuel that Shaul had failed to complete the task of destroying Amalek. Shmuel then goes to find Shaul. Uh, Shaul comes out to greet Shmuel, joyfully telling Shmuel uh, that he had uh, completed his task to perfection. And Shmuel says that if indeed you've completed your your task to, compl- to perfection, so why do I hear the sound of, of animals, of, of, of uh, animals, animals bleeding and uh, with a T bleating, uh, and this, the sounds of, uh, uh, of all sorts of livestock. And here Shaul responds, Chamal ha'am al hatzon. The people had mercy on the best of their animals, 
And he goes on to explain that they did so because they wanted to give them as sacrifices to Hashem. Now, if we unpack this a little bit, Shaul here has a, uh, Shaul has a double excuse for his breach uh, of mission. Number one, it was not my idea. It was the people's idea. Chamal ha'am, the people, the nation had mercy on these animals. So number one, it wasn't me. And number two, it's a good idea that they had. They had, they had mercy because they wanted to give these animals as a sacrifice to Hashem. So he doubly covers his tracks rather than taking blame. Uh, and this is a trait that we've seen Shaul display uh, in previous prakim as well. Not taking the blame, not seeing his own faults, but always looking to others uh, for blame. The text also does not make it clear if Shaul is being honest here or not regarding the second point. When he says uh, that, uh, that the animals were taken to be given to Hashem, it's, it, that's the first time we, we hear that. Meaning, we already were told by the text that Shaul's and, Shaul and his forces uh, spare the animals, but we're not told then that they did so in order to give sacrifices to Hashem. And so the text leaves open the possibility that Shaul here is just trying to further cover his tracks, mitigate the sin by fabricating this idea that the animals were being taken just to give a carbon to Hashem. So that's a, one of these areas of ambiguity that the text definitely leaves wide open for us. You could take the more or less charitable reading uh, in this case. I want to just pause here also to, to highlight one of the, the beautiful literary elements that uh, uh, emerges in the totality of the Shaul story. And that is that we, woven throughout Shaul's life, there are, uh, I would say, animals play a very, very key role continually. We find this like a motif. Animals in all the major stops along the way for Shaul, animals are at the, are at the core of the story. Um, when he uh, goes off to find uh, donkeys, he instead finds the kingship. So that's how he kind of arrives at, at this position of leadership. It was going off to find animals. And then he chops up the, the oxen uh, in order to foment the uh, great fight against Nachash. So that there too, it, were, it was these animals that were um, critical on his upward uh, trajectory, his ascent in the, in the better part of his career. Uh, and then it was the failure to wait for Shmuel to give the carbon at Gilgal that begins his downward turn. And then we know that in the fight against the Plishtim, because of the, the, the vow and the curse that Shmuel, that, that, excuse me, that Shaul utters, so it causes the nation to sin by killing animals and not properly dealing with the blood because they were so famished from fighting without being able to eat. Uh, so he, he trips up the nation in this way. Uh, again, that hinges on the way they're treating animals. It's another stain on his record. And then here, once again, it is the fact that he leaves the uh, the uh, Amalekites' animals to live rather than killing them as he ought, as he ought to do. Uh, that was the kind of fi- what was the kind of final nail in the coffin for Shaul. So these are uh, uh, just I think it's 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 wonderful when you see these these threads woven through. Not every literary element uh, carries a substantive meaning per se. Often literary components of of a text carry with them substantive meaning. I'm not I don't know what to make of uh, the uh, of this thread, but it does lend a kind of order and beauty to the Shaul narrative, and uh, I think it's it's worth noting. So Shaul fails to own this mistake, as we just said. He had these two two uh, 
defenses for himself. Wasn't my idea. And it was a good idea anyways. And Shmuel really lays into him. And it's a very, very telling and powerful line. He says, Hello, im katonata be'inecha, rosh shivtei Yisrael ata. He says, Though you may be small in your own eyes, Shaul, you are the head of the tribes of Israel. In saying this, Shmuel is dismantling Shaul's first argument. He's saying, You want to cover your tracks, Shaul, by saying it wasn't your idea? Guess what? You're the king. Act like it. If the people are doing something that they shouldn't be doing, you should tell them. And it also plays into something that we've seen throughout. We really saw it already in our first encounter with Shaul, and that is that he is a person who's prone to modesty, which we said, thumbs up, modesty for a king is good, humility for a king is good, but he, as a result of his perhaps extreme humility, uh, he was also susceptible to popular pressure and to doing what others tell him to do because uh, he doesn't have this kind of strong sense of, of will and vision and uh, a strong sense of self. And so it ultimately proves his undoing here. So argument number one is dismantled. Shaul says the people did it. Shmuel says it doesn't matter. You're the king. Act like it. You should have controlled them. Nonetheless, Shaul persists that the animals were taken for God. So, okay, maybe I, I shouldn't have been swayed by the people, but they were doing a good thing. How can that be bad to save these animals in order to give them to God? And so Shmuel moves on to his next argument. He says, Hashem told you to destroy the people of Amalek and not to take spoils. So to also destroy the animals. Hashem didn't want these sacrifices. And here Shmuel is actually setting a paradigm that's going to be followed many times by the classical prophets in delivering a message to the king or B'nai Israel that Hashem doesn't want your sacrifices if in the same breath you're disobeying Hashem in some way. Uh, this is a, a message that uh, we're, we're going to see from Yeshayahu in, in due time over and over again. Don't, don't be uh, uh, so from if you're not moral. Don't, don't uh, try to give Hashem... Hashem has no, no desire for your karbanos if you're uh, in the same moment... Um, not dealing honestly with the poor and the bereaved, and you're not um, judging the the widow and the orphan and providing for for the needs of the of the disadvantaged of society. So this is kind of the one of the first great examples of that, where Shmuel is saying Hashem doesn't want your carbon if in the same moment you're disobeying Hashem. So he tells Shaul, your carbon is no good here. Shaul then says, okay, I've sinned. But again, he then immediately says, but I did it because I was forced to by the people. So Shaul just keep, keeps refusing to take proper responsibility. Then Shmuel finally says, that's it for you. You've abandoned Hashem's word. And now Hashem, as a result, is abandoning you. And Shmuel turns to walk away. And in, in that moment, uh, there's a, a very famous scene, an iconic scene, it, to be sure, it, it's a little bit amb- ambiguous in the text exactly how this plays out, but I'll, I'll present it in the way that's most commonly presented, and that is that Shmuel is walking away from Shaul, who grabs on to Shmuel's garment, and as Shmuel forcefully walks away, Shaul tears Shmuel's garment. And it's a very powerful scene, firstly because it just reflects how desperate Shaul is in this moment, pleading like a child, holding on to his mother's garment, pulling, pulling, pulling. He's so desperate. It's just such a heartbreaking moment. And of course, it also is a symbolic moment as it reflects, firstly, that the kingship is being torn away from Shaul. And also it reflects the permanence of what has happened, that just as this garment has been rent and will not be uh, fixed and will not be 
put back together again, so too the damage done by Shaul in this moment is going to be irreparable. Remarkably, Shaul actually does succeed in convincing Shmuel to stay, because he says, I, I need you to come and uh, come back with me to the people, because otherwise, you know, I, I need you to help me essentially save face, that if I would come back and, and you turn your back on me, uh, I'll, I'll be made to look terrible. And so Shmuel does go back with Shaul, allows him to save face, gives him this kind of final honor, and does him this final kindness. Shmuel then kills Agag, who is, as we know, still alive, and then he departs from Shaul, and we are told that he never sees Shaul again. It's a very dramatic and, and sad ending to this parak. To summarize, Shaul's failure here in this parak are several. He fails to complete his divine task in destroying Amalek entirely, which demonstrates a lack of complete fealty uh, to God and his mission. He fails to demonstrate real leadership as he is swayed by the people's desire to spare animals. He fails to recognize that Hashem must be served on his, capital H, his terms, and not on your terms. You can't give him a carbon if it's a carbon that Hashem doesn't even want. And finally, he fails to own his mistake time and again in his conversation with Shmuel that follows. What is perhaps the most remarkable part of this parak, however, is that even as I see all of these failures, quite clearly, of, of Shaul's, I'm still sympathetic to him. And I'm sure many of you are as well. Despite all of Shaul's failures, the, the text is written in such a way that you still feel so bad for him. And that is an amazing literary achievement of Sefer Shmuel. That's it for today. Chazak ve'ematz and happy learning.